May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you for turning your clocks ahead. We had a few folks come in about a quarter to nine for the eight o'clock service. I'm just thinking around 11, maybe we'll have some folks. That song um, that we sang, that first one, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, Richard Robinson was the author of that song. He wrote the words. And uh, every time I hear it, I'm reminded of a true story. Um, he was in London, and he had lost his faith, and he was on his way to commit suicide, jump off a bridge. And he flagged down a carriage, and there was a woman in the carriage, and he said, oh, keep going. She said, no, no, come on in, come on in. And they're sitting there, and she said, oh, you know, I just came across this most beautiful poem, and she read the poem uh, to him. And it was, you know, that song that we just sang. And he started to tell her that he was the one that wrote it and that he had lost his faith. And she had a conversation with him, and his faith was restored. That was a God incident for sure. But, you know, man, every time I hear that, I, I think of that. I want to talk to you this morning about this reading from Romans. Big idea is trials do not nullify God's great love for us. Trials, which come our way, do not nullify, cancel out God's great love for us. So I just want to look at Romans 5, 1 through 5. Up to now, Romans, uh, in Romans, we've been dealing with birth truths, these elementary truths about the faith. But now we begin to move into what you call growth truths, uh, the way to be effective in Christian service. I've been talking lately about the Great Commission, Mark 16 versus Matthew 28. Mark 16, it's personal salvation primarily. It's justification by faith, salvation. Hallelujah, I'm reconciled with the Father. Yay, that's a good thing. In Matthew 28, you have that, but then it says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and take this faith and do something with it. Operate within your sphere of influence to make a difference. And that's the difference between the beginning of Romans and where we're headed today. Verses 1 and 2 kind of sum up what we've learned so far. Paul says justification by faith results in peace with God, access to God, and certain hope of sharing in the glory of God. Um, the war is over. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the war is over. That, that gulf that existed between us is no more. We are in fellowship with one another. Peace does not necessarily mean no hostilities. It means relationship, harmony. That's my relationship that I have with God. Remember the stages of salvation is justification, I'm made right with God. It's sanctification, where I'm becoming what Christ wants me to be, living a more Christ-like life, and then glorification, with that glorified 35-year-old body in heaven. This is true for every believer. I don't care if you've been a believer for 50 years or for five minutes. It doesn't make any difference. These truths are immediate, permanent, and continuous. We are reconciled with the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And again, 50 years or five minutes, it doesn't make a difference. Some people get upset. I think of the, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And some people show up early in the morning and the, and the owner says, go to work now, I'll pay you this. Later, some people come, he says, go to work and I'll pay you this. Later, go to work and I'll pay you this. At the very end of the day, people show up, he says, go to work and I'll pay you this. And then he says to his steward, pay the ones that came last, pay them first. Now, the ones that worked all day, they're looking at this and they're going, whoa, they got paid what we said we were going to get, what he said we were going to This is, man, this is our lucky day. And then they get paid the same thing. And they're upset. Wait a minute. We worked all day in the hot sun. These guys just showed up. We're getting. I didn't cheat you. I said I was going to pay you that, and I did. It's my money. I can do what, it, what I want. Churches are somehow the same, sometimes the same way. My grandfather built this church. I've been in this church my whole life. You just showed up, and you're getting all the same blessings I'm getting? Hmm. I don't think so. Well, yeah. That's how it works. Paul says we have access to God. Two meanings here. One is to usher into the presence of royalty. I have access to God. I can speak with God 24-7, 365. I don't have to push a number to get a certain language. I don't get a call back. I don't get put on hold. I can be in my house. I can be in my car. I can be walking. I can be in church. I can be anywhere. I am. And I have access God. I used to think that I could only talk to God in church. It's kind of brought up that way. It's not true. Wherever I am, I have access to God. Being ushered into the presence of royalty. The other meaning of that word is a safe haven for ships, safe harbor. When we are in relationship with the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit, we're in safe harbor, no more being tossed to and fro. I had my share of being tossed to and fro 20 years in the Navy. I remember one time I was on an LST with no keel, you know, like that. It was just kind of flat because you got to get up to the shore and drop the ramp. We were in Iceland and we were headed up north of Norway to go track some Russian ships. We got caught in an unexpected storm, 60-foot seas. 60-foot seas and a ship with no keel. 45 degrees this way, 45 degrees that way. The interior bulkheads, the walls were being ripped up out of the deck. At one point, nobody got sick anymore because you're too scared. The XO, the executive, I was the operations officer. We were up on the bridge almost the whole time lying to each other out loud about how much worse we'd seen it so the crew wouldn't feel so bad. The captain never came out of his cabin. But that's okay. That was in March. In August, we're over by Denmark, and we're, <laughs> we're going to do a NATO exercise. And the, we have eight-foot seas. And the guys on the, on the phones around the ships are going, how are you riding? You okay? Think we ought to cancel the exercise? <laughs> Our guys are like on beach chairs out there on the deck. I mean, this is a day in the park. Are you kidding me? But no more of this, no more of this being slammed around. Once you have access to God, it makes all the difference in the world. In verse 3, Paul tells us we rejoice in our sufferings. Very normal expectation of every Christian. 
to rejoice in our sufferings is an expectation of every Christian, not just some super saints. And the word here for suffering means pressure. Pressure causes stress. Stress causes suffering in this way. It can come from a lot of different causes. There can be like physical, meaning your health. Something goes wrong, it's very stressful. It can be financial, right? Um, this large bank out in California, Silicon Valley Bank, just went under. Second largest bank failure in the history of the United States. You have small businesses who have their investment, their money in that bank, and they can't get it. People have their savings in that bank, and they can't get it. You think that might cause some stress? Yes. Relational? Maybe there's relationships in your life that have gone south, gone wrong. Family, friends, whatever it might be, and you don't quite know what to do about it. Politically, you're, you're going, what the heck is going on? The fact that we're living more and more in a woke world where values are, are changing in ways we've never seen before. But then I think there's good news. There's good news, that wonderful outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Asbury up in Kentucky, and that's happening around the country. Eleanor, our daughter, is on her way back to Nicaragua Thursday, and Friday and Saturday night they're going to be having an event at the, where they're going. This is the second of seven trips to Nicaragua. The first trip to Nicaragua, um, it was a one-night event, and they had 27,000 people come. It's a miracle because the government is not for this, but there's a ministry down there that has won the hearts of the government, and they're providing buses for people to show up to these things. It's, it's, it's a God thing. It's amazing. Um, but along with that, getting that together is stressful, you know. But God is at work. Someone once said the definition of a Christian is one who is completely fearless, continuously cheerful, and consistently in trouble. Uh-huh. I think that's especially true in today's world where if you stand up and speak up as a Christian, you might be getting in trouble one of these days. There was a, there was a phrase in the Navy, if you, were, if you were on the ship and you hear it over the, the, one, M, the one MC, the loudspeaker, stand by for heavy rolls. Remember that, Red? Well, he was in the Navy. Oh, that's right. Aircraft carrier, yeah. When I was in, uh, in, in, <laughs> in NROTC, one of my instructors was a lieutenant commander aviator, and he was always on an aircraft carrier. And this is back in the day, way back in the day. He said, I knew we were in rough seas because the needle on my, on my record player would skip a groove. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Having been on destroyers. Anyway, stand by for heavy rolls. And I'm wondering at what point will things that I say or somebody like me says um, get you in trouble. Now, Kathy and I did um, senior projects down in uh, Bellevue Monday and Tuesday of this week. So five, Monday I had five boys and Tuesday we were seven girls. And one of the girls wanted to be a forensic anthropologist. 
she was all excited about, you can tell a lot from bones, you know, skeletal remains. She said, you could even tell gender from skeletal remains. And I said, and what would your choices be for gender? And she, she started to tell me how you make the determination. I said, no, 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 no. What would your choices be for gender from skeletal remains? And she gave me that look like, is this a trick question? What is this? And she said, male or female? And I said, that is the right answer. That is the only answer. The only answer. God made them male and female. All right? Now, in the Isle of Man, this two weeks ago, well, that's a little island off of England. You had a drag queen doing a sex education program for middle school students who was telling them that there are 72 genders. One of the students stood up and said, uh, excuse me, there are really only two. You're either male or female. And that kid got thrown out of the class because he was a troublemaker. And they were afraid he would influence the other students. So they had to get rid of him. So if you stand up and speak up, you could be in trouble. <laughs> stand by for heavy rolls. Some say becoming a Christian is the end of trials. I would say that's not true. We have a lot of scripture Bernardo gave me this. 2 Corinthians 6, 4. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities. Philippians 1, 29 says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Acts 5.41, then they left the presence, this is Peter and John, then they left the presence of the council, the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Christ. And finally, Acts 16.25, but, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Where was he? He's in the Philippian jail, in the bottom of the jail, which is where the sewer is. It all kind of collects down there. It's midnight. They're singing hymns. They're suffering, but they're reaching out to God in hymns because they're overcoming their circumstances because they believe in God and they know that God is with them. He never leaves. And I think it's true for all of us. I really have learned more and grown more from the hard times in my life than the good times. I've learned more from when things didn't go well Things came along that I didn't expect, but I had to deal with it. I had to work my way through it. Then when things are all wonderful and rosy, it made me stronger. It built me up. Dan Bongino, some of you may know him. He was a New York cop. He was a Secret Service guy. He's got a TV show. He's got a podcast. He's coming out with a new book. It's called The Gift of Failure. He said, I've been reading all these books about guys that just did everything right. He says, I wrote a book about what my life was. <laughs> he says, when I made mistakes and did dumb things, how I learned from those times in my life. And those things made me stronger. You know? 
Then you have, used to have the helicopter parents. They're always kind of hovering over their kids. Well, now you have lawnmower parents. Lawnmower parents go ahead of their children with a lawnmower, removing every single obstacle that could possibly get in their way so that nothing, nothing could happen to their kids. Is that helping them? It is not helping them because life isn't like that and mommy and daddy aren't going to be there their whole life. And then what do they do when they hit the wall? What do they do when things happen that they didn't expect? They're not prepared for it. The mark of a Christian who has grown to maturity is that they accept everything that happens to him without exception is coming from the hand of the Lord. Nothing happens in the life of a believer apart from the will of God. That's a, sometimes that's a hard thing to grasp. Nothing happens in the life of a believer apart from the will of God. We've all had things happen in our lives that we didn't want. But God knew it was coming. God knew it was coming. He doesn't say, whoa, didn't see that one. He knows it's coming, and hopefully we're ready for it. We're prepared for it. We can work our way through it. The loss of a loved one, a medical diagnosis, a financial reversal, betrayal of friendships and family, whatever it might be, God's in the midst of it. Because God's character does not depend upon my circumstances. Paul says suffering produces endurance. And this means the spirit that has overcome the world is the spirit which does not passively endure, but actively overcomes the trials and tribulations of life. It means when the hard times come, we don't curl up in a ball and hide under the bed. We stand up, we fight. We look it in the eye, we meet it head on, and we go forward. Whatever it might be, whatever it might be, whatever's coming, and I don't know what's, what's coming, but we don't run from it. We don't run from it. Endurance produces character. The word refers to metal, which is passed through the fire so that everything impure has been purged. In coinage, we use the word sterling, like sterling in England, sterling silver. All the impurities have been taken out because it's been passed through the fire. I thought this was interesting. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely show the way. The eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all preachers are the men who live their creeds, for to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures that you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high service advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. And that's, that's true. Fred Hill has a lot of Fredisms. He's a usher at 8 o'clock, former Marine. And he has these sayings that he always comes up with. He says, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks more than your talk talks. Right? Your walk says something about you. Your talk says something about you. But your walk 
how you live is going to say a whole lot more about you than what you say. See, this is where people get in trouble with what they call hot mic moments. You've just given a speech or you, did, you do something or say, this is who I am, this is what I believe, count on me. And then you're backstage with somebody and you say what you really say, but what you don't know is the mic was on and it got recorded. That's the real you. And what that thing I just read says, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to watch what you do. It makes a difference. God is shaping it, our character. This way he, induces, he introduces suffering. It's, he's building our character this way. Tribulation, disappointment, anguish. There's somebody in the Bible that uh, reminds me of this. It's Joseph. Joseph starts out, he's the son of Jacob. And the next thing you know, he's, uh, he's being sold into slavery by his brothers. And then the next thing you know, he's up on top again because he's running Potiphar's household. And then the next thing you know, he's in prison because he wouldn't go to bed with a wife. And then he's up here again because he's interpreting a dream for the baker and the chef. He says, don't forget me. They forget him. And then all of a sudden he's taken out of prison to interpret a dream for the Pharaoh, and now he's the number two man in the whole kingdom. And if you look at it, all this up and down stuff, and if you look at, at the whole thing, he went from here to here. All of those experiences were shaping him, preparing him, developing his character, and a lot of it, he didn't like, but all of it was necessary to get him where God wanted him to be. Same is true of us. Character produces hope. The Christian hope is never an illusion because it's founded on the love of Christ. When our hope is in Christ, it cannot be disappointed. It can never be an illusion, for God loves us with an everlasting love. See how easy that is? The school system in a large city had a program to help children keep up with their schoolwork during stays in the city's hospital. One day a teacher who was assigned to the program received a routine call asking her to visit a particular child. She took the child's name and room number <coughs> and talked briefly with the child's regular class teacher. We're studying nouns and adverbs in his class now the regular teacher said, and I'd be grateful if you could help him understand them so he doesn't fall too far behind. The hospital program teacher went to see the boy that afternoon. No one had mentioned to her that the boy had been badly burned and was in great pain. Upset at the sight of the boy, she stammered as she told him, I I've been sent by your school to help you with nouns and adverbs. When she left, she felt she hadn't accomplished much. But the next day, a nurse asked her, what did you do to that boy? The teacher felt she must have done something wrong and began to apologize. No, 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 said the nurse. You don't know what I mean. We've been worried about that little boy. But ever since yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back, responding to treatment. It's as though he's decided to live. Two weeks later, the boy explained that he had completely given up hope until the teacher arrived. Everything changed when he came to a simple realization. He expressed it this way. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? Would they? Just that little thing gave him hope. 
And finally, years ago, I read a sermon by Dr. Arthur John Gossip called When Life Tumbles In, What Then? He preached it the day after his beloved wife had suddenly died. He closed with these words. I don't think you need to be afraid of life. Our hearts are very frail. And there are places where the road is very steep and very lonely. But we have a wonderful God. And as Paul puts it, what can separate us from his love? Not death, he writes immediately. No, not death. For standing in the roaring of the Jordan, cold with its dreadful chill and very conscious of its terror, of its rushing, I too, like hopeful in Pilgrim's Progress, can call back to you who one day in your turn will have to cross it. Be of good cheer, my brother, for I feel the bottom, and it is sound. And the bottom is sound because it is Christ. I want to play a video. This is uh, Keith and Kristen Getty. They were here in town not too long ago. The song I think is appropriate.
He, he cuts it off because there's 90 seconds of violin, so that was. No matter what we're going through, God is with us. Amen.